Welcome to the Fired Coaches Podcast with host Marcus Weger. Each episode, we take a detailed look into the trials and tribulations that college coaches had to go through in their career, reflecting on what matters most. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at Fired Coaches Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. Episode number 28 of the Fired Coaches Podcast. We have a bit of a unique episode uh, sitting down with Mike Shaw, a good friend and great person who has a lot of experience in the Division Three world um, as an athlete at UW-Platteville and a new wrinkle in the college athletics world and the college football bowl game scene, which we'll touch on here in just a little bit. Mike, how are you doing today? Fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I've listen to quite a few of your episodes, really, really like what the, the podcast is doing. I appreciate it, Mike. And uh, yeah, we'll get into things here. Um, I guess first off, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, what just happened in Milwaukee, the area that you're in right now with the Bucks championship, what has kind of been uh, the vibe uh, right outside the Milwaukee area where you live? Yeah, it's been, it's been incredible, especially after uh, the 2019, 2020 season when they were playing really well. And then all of a sudden the, the season got shut down. I think the bucks were thinking they were going to win a championship last year. And then when they get beat by the heat in the Eastern conference semifinals, it was just kind of a big letdown for the organization because they had the pieces. And then this year, um, it was just great to see them kind of bounce back and really, um, you know, fight for a championship. I thought some of the transactions they made in the off season were huge to really round out their roster. Um, and then to come back uh, from in two series being down two zero just shows a ton of resilience. Um, and it, I think not just the players, but the organization as a whole to see the deer district come uh, out of nowhere uh, after just seven years of ownership, they've really turned it into a phenomenal franchise. I think you remember the team that went 15 and 67 uh, I could get a ticket for $3 um, and, and you can get a, a pretty decent seat. You know, that was kind of like the hitting rock bottom. And once new ownership bought it, it's really incredible to see where they've come. And now what's next, you know, after the championship, I wonder what's going to happen, but seeing, you know, 65,000 people or however many were down there really shows that people in Wisconsin, we really care about our sports teams. Whereas in other states where they have multiple NBA teams or, or multiple teams. Um, they're, they're just a little subset is focused on those teams in Wisconsin. I felt like everybody all of a sudden cared about the Bucks. So really cool to see. Absolutely. And I think you, you make a great point there about last season with the bubble. I don't think enough people have talked about how much, again, not to say that, you know, the Lakers didn't earn a championship that year, but just how different it was sure. build the momentum from teams that were having a lot of success, like the Bucks and, then, yeah, you got to come and do the restart. And even Giannis talked about it the other day in one of his post-game pressers about Miami, all credit to them. But, you know, guys wanted to go home and see their families. And you just know there are a lot of players across the league that were in that bubble that were not in the right, the right frame or right mindset. Yeah, um, it, was, it was all about – it was about revenue. It wasn't about mental health, uh, unfortunately. You know, there was guys that were isolated for 100 days in there. I mean, it's pretty close to, like, being behind bars. <laughs> They're kind of stuck in there. But it was really cool for the fans, I guess, for a little while just to start watching sports again. 
Um, and I did like watching games at 10 a.m. On a, on a weekday. That was probably the one thing that I really loved is getting up and going, oh, my goodness, there's an NBA game on. Whereas, you know, when things are normal, you have to wait till 7 or 8 p.m. It was tough to see them have such a great season that it end so abruptly with the restart. But this year, especially seeing people in the stands again, it was just a great it was just awesome to see people back in the arena and the places are rocking again. That's why I just loved it. Loved the run. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's been great. And uh, yeah, I think people will be living up for a long time here as they should. Can you kind of touch on your playing experience? You were a division three athlete, as we kind of touched on, you played at UW Platteville for four years uh, between the 06 and 2010 season. Yeah. And also your father um, happened to have a, history with some division three institutions and, and playing at Carroll coaching at Marion. Um, I believe if I'm correct, if I remember this from conversations of past, he had a small tryout with the bucks as well. Um, right he after did. his stint at Carroll. And then he yes. also refed for a long time uh, in the division three world. So can you kind of talk about your career when you were at Platteville? Um, you obviously had experience some crazy moments, including um, upsetting Bradley in an exhibition game you know, making an NCAA tournament and then just also uh, your father's experience and how that, you know, makes you so passionate about this level. Yeah, I just, I grew up around division three, as you probably see nowadays, most kids, if not all really want to get that scholarship to play division one. Um, and I was one of those kids, I'm not going to lie, but division three was a perfect place for me. Um, you know, with my size, I think I was like six, one, one fifty coming out of high school. There are not many kids making it the division one level with that size, but division three was just a perfect fit for me. And it all started with my high school coach, Chris Wettler, who he went to UW Platteville and coached with Paul Ryan as well. So he played and coached there. He kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey Mike, I think you should take a, a look at UW Platteville. And, you know, like a young high school kid, I told him that I want to continue to look at scholarships. And of course, none of those came and I committed to UW Platteville and it was it was probably the best decision of my life to date, you know, at 18 years old, um, met so many great people. As you know, in division three athletics, a lot of these schools are like small fraternities and you meet so many great people, but the experience of playing there and getting to know the boosters and, and the community was just a wonderful experience. I got to school and I, you know, thought I was going to start right away and it, getting to campus, I realized that there's so much more talent at a division three school than people think continue to work my you know rear end off. I end up, I did end up starting uh, my freshman season, finished fifth in the conference. And then my sophomore and junior year, I came off the bench and then my senior year, I started again. So I played for Paul Combs the first three years and, you know, he's now the head coach at Carroll where my dad played, which is really cool how everybody kind of stays connected in the basketball world, especially division three. And then my senior year, I played for Jeff Gard, his first season. And now I think Jeff's in his 11th year at Platteville. And as you know, Platteville is really rolling again. I think these last four years, they played in the NCAA tournament. And then this past season, they uh, won the conference tournament with the COVID year. So, but yeah, just so many good experiences. We did, you know, beat Bradley my junior year in an exhibition. And they ended up winning 25 games that year. So it wasn't like we beat a team that wasn't any good. I think they finished fourth in their conference. And then my freshman year, my first game ever, we played at Purdue and we got our uh, rear ends handed to us, but it was just a, you know, wonderful experience from, you know, when I set foot on campus to when I left. And then my career 
after school, I met somebody on camp on, you know, on our team, his dad was my boss for the first eight years. So division three, isn't only about athletics and, and, you know, being a student, it's also about the connections you make. And that's why I said, you know, at the beginning of my answer that I really uh, enjoyed that I made the decision to go to Platteville. Um, and then my dad, you know, he's still, he's kind of, you know, in a way obsessed with Carroll athletics. He follows them very, very closely. So we just have such a great connection with the division three level, just for what it stands for. You know, it's for the love of the game in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, he still goes to Carroll football games. He still goes to, you know, Carroll, a lot of Carroll basketball games. And he's crazy too, because he follows, sometimes he texts me on how Carroll's bowling team did. And I'm like, dad, I, I don't really care how Carroll's bowling team, but if you're passionate about that, that's great. And then, you know, when I was growing up, my dad refed a ton of um, WIAC basketball games, a lot of the big games, you know, a lot of the Bull Ryan era, I think in, Bo Ryan, I think, lost five games at home in the 1990s, so in a decade, and my dad ref four of those. <laughs> so he refed a lot of the really, you know, big games, the games that are, you know, sellouts in Division Three when, you know, those Bo Ryan days in, in Platteville. So, you know, he had a great playing career, had a brief tryout with the Bucks. Uh, I think he was on the team for maybe two weeks, but for a young, you know, Division Three player to do that was an incredible experience. And then he was actually the head coach at Marion College when he was 21. Um, probably the youngest head coach I've ever heard uh, in, in all the years I've you know, talked to coaches. And then he coached there from 78 to 81, had some really good teams. And he got out of basketball after he was at UCF. And then that's when he and my mom moved to Wisconsin. And that's where we've been ever since here in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, your dad's obviously just a salt of the earth person, just one of the nicest guys in the world. And even as you mentioned, talking about Carol bowling with you, you know, there's just Carol bowling. Yeah. Nothing, nothing that he, he'll text me how they did. <laughs> there's just nothing that passes them. That's not an interest or, you know, just, he's just so sincere that way. And obviously Apple doesn't fall far from the tree with you. And I know we talked mm -hmm. a little bit off air about just division three. And I, I, again, yes. I think each day, I think it, it becomes a stronger brand in that the world of division one, which nothing against it, but it's just changing with college realignment and, NIL and all that there's just uh, the transfer portal it's all about revenue it's all about revenue and, and transferring and division one do I love division one sports yes I do but it's just different than division two and division three and there isn't much there's only one d2 school in Wisconsin with UW Parkside so I just find an affinity to d3 just because for what it stands for and there's not many people that follow division three but I just love the brand. You know, I thought after I graduated from Platteville that I'd lose interest in division three. And to be honest, it's been the exact opposite. I actually follow it even closer than I did when I was playing. So after you finished at Platteville and you haven't been, you know, like, as we talked off air, you haven't done coaching as a full-time profession, like a lot of the guests that we've had on here. Um, however, mm -hmm. you, you are coaching and you had coached in the past at Germantown for a few years where they won a couple state championships in the 13 and 14 seasons. When you were there this past season, you got back in at Cedarburg and you guys had a great season going, I believe, 20 and four. Yes. Can you talk about those special championship teams, which fixed, you know, featured guys um, like Jake Showalter, Luke Fisher, John Everkamp, Evan Wessenberg, uh, the Bearden twins or Bearden brothers, but then also um, kind of the current state of high school basketball and what you really enjoy about that high school level? 
Yeah, I, I, I got to coach the 2012-2013 season and 2013-2014 where those were the second and third championships of that run. I didn't get to coach Zach's senior year, but it was just an incredible experience. You know, I was young, I was 25 and you're coaching, you know, these, these young kids that are way more athletic than you, but being able to be part of those state championship teams was a lot of fun. The kids were great. I think we went 28-0 the one season and then 26-2. and so, I mean, I, I thought, I thought that the level of talent would go down after I graduated from high school and it's, that's not true at all. Uh, the talent just continues to get better. And I think that has a lot to do with the weight training and, you know, athletic training that you see nowadays. Now it's, you know, sports has been turned into an industry, you know, it's a little bit different than maybe when you and I were in high school, but, um, I really enjoyed coaching with, you know, Steve and, and being part of Luke Fisher Jake Showalter, Evan Wiesenberg, John Abercamp, the, the uh, Bearden brothers, um, you know, and anybody else that I may not have mentioned. On those two teams that I coached, I think almost every kid played in some type of college sport capacity from division one, two, and three. Um, you know, at, at Edgewood, where I went to high school in Madison, um, I'm not sure if we've had, you know, 10 college athletes from, you know, basketball in the last, you know, 20 years. So to get that at Germantown was just an anomaly, how many athletes we actually had on our team. So then I took six years off. You know, I just didn't have the time. I was traveling too much for work. And then COVID happened. And honestly, I was able to make every practice. You know, Coach Miller at Cedarburg said practices every day from three to five. And if things were normal, there's no way I could have coached. So COVID had a reason for me to get back into coaching. And I was excited to be a part of it. And this year at Cedarburg, we had three division one athletes in our starting lineup. Uh, I think we had, we went 20, we went 20 and four. Um, we had 60, I think we had close to 60 dunks this year. I don't think there was a dunk in any of my high school games in four years, <laughs> uh, at least, at least from my team. But, you know, we had Logan Landers playing basketball at Kansas state, Drew Bibbers playing tight end at Purdue. And then Matthew Pilch is playing Division One volleyball at Queens down in South Carolina. So we'll see how this year is going to go. We have a lot of question marks, but we have a lot of good athletes coming back. Guys that, you know, play three sports. So basketball isn't their main focus. So we'll see how this year goes. But in terms of, you know, high school basketball, I wasn't following it very closely for the last three years. And then when I got back into it, I was just shocked at how much talent the state has. Uh, I was kind of blown away a lot of really good teams just right around here in our conference but then there's good basketball you know up in the valley up in green bay and madison milwaukee you know all the way up in northwest wisconsin out in lacrosse so there's good good players everywhere it's pretty crazy to think about i agree that landscape has completely changed and again i'm a little bit older than you but not by much and yeah the, it has changed you think in the past you're like oh you know our, our league was so good we had all these guys and you think of the past but nowadays Again, a lot of it has to do with, I think, the weight training or the personal trainers or, you know, how club has just continued to grow. And like you said, it's become yep. a, a real industry where there's just such club a club sports is everybody plays club now. Uh, and if you really, really want to get exposure, you got to play club. But when I was in grade school, high school, you know, there weren't many clubs. Now there's probably like 40 or 50 clubs in Wisconsin and sort of everybody plays. It's more of a it's an industry now, athletic training basketball specific training. I mean, there's all these services that you can pay money to work on your skills where 
when you were an hour in high school, I don't ever recall there being that type of service. And then now you got a, a shooting gun, so you don't even need a person to rebound for you. I don't ever remember there being those guns when I was in high school where I could just go to the gym and it passed to me and keep track of my percentage. Uh, so the game has evolved from that standpoint um, with the technology that kids can use to really work and fine tune their game. Yeah, I remember when Annie Go got one. I believe I was uh, playing at Marion at the time, like two or three years after I graduated and came back in the summer and they, and they got a gun, the first one. Um, however, it was the old school one that had like the conveyor like racks. <laughs> so it wasn't the one that actually shot to you. And, you know, sometimes the balls would get stuck in those and not flow the right way. And yeah, it's, but uh, it's just amazing how everything's kind of changed over the years here. Well, ch well changing kind of topics here. Um, and a big reason why we have you on is to promote this really cool thing that you're doing with the Division Three football world, specifically with the WIAC and the CCAW that will be starting this fall, the Isthmus Bowl. When I saw this, I was super excited, again, being passionate about Division Three as we just talked about. And I know in the past, we kind of talked through some things about um, little ideas you were looking at doing. And I guess, can you just start off talking about how this all happened, how quick it happened? Sure. Now that the press release is out, uh, I've gotten a lot of inquiries about the bowl game in terms of, you know, volunteering, a potential TV broadcast, uh, radio broadcasters, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I've been working on this since May of 2020. It took me over a year to get approved. And I came up with the idea because, I mean, in Division Three, it's just a unique division because it's the NCAA's largest division and it has the least amount of postseason opportunities. And that's when I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to go to work here and figure out what I can do. And that's when I put together this bowl game. And I follow all of the conferences in the Midwest, but the two conferences that really stick out in my mind from top to bottom are CCIW and the WIC. And, you know, there's some other good conferences out there in football that get automatic bids. Um, but like the third and fourth place teams in the WIAC, you know, all the way from the top to bottom of those conferences would win almost every other conference in the country. So then I thought, you know what, I'm going to come up with a bowl game and figure out what I need to do. And, you know, within 48 hours, I had a 14 page proposal and a, a, a logo that I had put together. And then I thought, you know what, I need to, I need to figure out a way to find sponsors because I, I don't think I can pay for this game myself. And I wrote to about 60 companies, handwritten letters, proposal, logo. I just went to work. And then well, my how, dad. How did, uh, so I just want to cut you off there. So you said, sure. how long did that take in writing those out? And how did you, I guess, go about identifying those? Well, I wanted to find a company in Wisconsin to be, I wanted to find a major sponsor, you know, like every bowl game, like the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Tostitos is the lead sponsor. I wanted to do that for my bowl game and have the bowl game be named by a company. And I just, you know, there are a lot of brands right here in um, Wisconsin, Quick Trip, Menards, you know, all kinds of banks. There's so many big corporate here in Wisconsin and I wasn't getting any traction. You know, I was getting kind of turned down left and right. And then all of a sudden I wrote a letter to Craig Culper, the founder of Culver's, and he emailed me back within 72 hours. And he put me in touch with the director of marketing at Culver's and only come to find out that her nephew played basketball at Platteville. Huh. So the connection was just right there. And then we talked about doing you know, a, a sponsorship 
and I told him I sold the hell out of it. I said, the game will be sponsored called the Culver's Isthmus Bowl. And they said, you know what, we're going to do it. And they, they, they're the major sponsor at $15,000. And that's when I all of a sudden said, maybe this thing has a chance. And that's when I wrote to Quick Trip, uh, American Family Insurance. So overall, I raised about 30 grand in sponsorship. And it's all about the game. You know, I, I don't really, you know, at the end of the day, I, I you know, might make some money off this, but I want to put it all into the game so that it's a yearly event. I don't want it to be just a one year deal where it's all of a sudden done and nobody does it anymore. So the goal since day one of typing this up was for it to always be a yearly event so that the Madison area always knows that it's going to be there. How did you kind of just keep at it with, you know, knocking on the door with all those, was it more just kind of, you think luck of the draw with Culver's and that connection, or was it just a, a lot of persistence that you put forth? I think it's a little of both, um, but I was just very persistent about what I was selling to Culver's. And like in my, in my first meeting with them, they said, we, we want to do this. And as you probably have seen from the press release, Culver, it's the Culver's Isthmus Bowl. So when people see that they're going to think Culver's, so not only am I benefiting from it, but so are they. So that's what I kind of sold to them is that, listen, if this bowl game, I want it to go for forever. I want it to be a staple of the Madison community. And I said, if you come on board, it'll be your bowl game and I'll run it for you. I'll just use your name. So they haven't really been involved at all. As long as the game is in existence, it'll always be the Culver's Isthmus Bowl. So that's kind of what I sold to them. And then these other companies within the Madison area, I just said, you know, do you want to be a sponsor as well? And, and they said, absolutely. Um, and believe it or not, Marcus, Quick Trip is a sponsor. I'm playing the game at Verona High School. They have a brand new state of the art. It's the nicest school I think I've ever been in. It's phenomenal. They won a bunch of national awards. Uh, but Quick Trip has a gas station literally in their parking lot. <laughs> So like, I couldn't think of a better sponsor, you know, than Quick Trip to be, you know, an additional sponsor with Culver's. So, I mean, everything, all the stars kind of align there. And I've gotten a lot of feedback on why are you hosting it at a high school? Well, number one, Camp Randall's not available that day. And it would probably be pretty costly to host it at Camp Randall. Probably wouldn't get 90,000 people to come to a Division Three bowl game. But I looked at Breeze Stevens Field. That would have been kind of like the ideal location but their stadium really isn't conducive to hosting two college sized football teams and their locker room facilities just wouldn't be the right fit. Um, whereas I toured Verona and I thought, Oh my Lord, this place is, I mean, it is just unbelievable how nice it is. Um, the field turf that most high schools are going to, they have, you know, everything that the bowl needs. The only issue is the field goals, but the, but the college coaches said, listen, if we get invited to this bowl game, we are going to play. So both conferences reaffirmed to me in our first bowl game advisory meeting that if our team qualifies, we are going to play. We will not turn down the, the uh, opportunity to play in your bowl game. So that really excited me for them to say that. That's awesome. That was my next question I was going to ask you is the communication that you've had with the respective conferences or teams. Um, you know, how has that been? Obviously very positive for the most part. Yeah. So the CCIW, there's, they're private or they're private institutions. So the approval process there was just their presidents saying, sounds good. This we're in, you know, so that I, I think I got approval from them in November of 2020. And then the WIC being public, public institutions had to go through quite the approval process. 
um, talking to the head coaches and then it had to go to the uh, commissioners and then the faculty athletic reps um, and then it had to go through their governance process and then finally through their chancellors. So I just got it finally approved in May and then we scheduled the press release for this past Monday, July 19th and I haven't gotten any bad feedback. So I'm really excited for that, that nobody in, in any of these conferences has said that this is a bad idea because it's really promoting both conferences, number one. Number two, it's, you know, the conferences are top of the line and these teams that are seven and three or eight and two that are ranked who the NCAA tournament committee says, sorry, better luck next year. I'm going to give them an opportunity to play one more game. And I'm telling you right now, the, the trophy that I have being uh, drafted up is going to be really, really cool. I'm super excited to show people on social media. It's going to be 30 inches. Uh, it's going to look sort of like the Lombardi trophy, not exactly like, but I think it's once I show that, I think people are really going to be excited about it. That's phenomenal. Between the trophy and you telling me that Culver's is a major sponsor and Quick Trip is basically in the parking lot. Those all sound like great things to me before the kickoff even happened. Right. Uh, 120, 120 days from kickoff. I just did the countdown. So uh, it, it's going to go by quickly. And, you know, my social media, I'm going to try to get to at least one game every other week from like I'm the September 4th, I'm going to the Carthage Whitewater game so I can get some pictures. And then on the 18th of September, I'm going to the Wesleyan at Carroll game just so I can, I, I like I told you know, everybody that, you know, has been asking me about the Isthmus Bowl, I'm not involved in college athletics. So I really like to go to games, but I don't really understand what's going on around the game. So I really need to study the chain game. Um, I really need to study, you know, what's going on around the concessions. And so I'm, you know, kind of learning about what sports management is like, you know, I usually just go to the Packer game or a high school game and just sit on my bum and watch the game. Uh, but now I'm really needing to focus on what's going to make this event better every year. And this is the inaugural year. So I really wanted to start off with no, no hiccups. Between having a full-time job, putting this all into motion, and you just kind of touched on, you know, whether it's a chain gang or concessions, I mean, how, how does one, or, or do you have other help that's kind of helping grow this thing? Yeah. So um, I have a social media manager. I have an apparel sales manager that's working with me as well. And then I have sort of like all sorts of friends that have volunteer, are just going to volunteer. So I got my chain gang figured out, ball persons, uh, PA announcer, um, statistics people. Um, and then I have the play clock and game clock operator all figured out. So I got my staff in place. I just need to, I need to make sure I get confirmation from everybody that's going to be there. So you know, at the beginning of this, I heard from one of the coaches from the WIAC that said, hey, Mike, you know, this isn't this isn't like a you know peewee football game. This is a college football game. So you need to make sure that you have all your staff lined up. You can't get into game day and go, oh, shoot, I forgot about that person. You know, I need to make sure that I have everybody ready to go. So I have everybody in place. Just need to confirm everything. So excited for you. I can't wait to see it. I hope to attend that day as well. You know, if things go well here, like you said, you want to continue this. Um, do you have any other future goals you can share at this time of things that you want to do down the road if this continues to grow? Yeah, I would, I would love to do this, uh, especially down the road. Um, you know, confidentially, I, am, I, have, I have another bowl game in the works for two other conferences in the state. Um, and so far, I've received a lot of good feedback about that. 
I uh, can't get into the specifics about it, you know, the name of the bowl game and what conferences it is just because they're waiting on approval from one conference. But right now that would be another opportunity for two other conferences. So I'm excited about that. Goal-wise, I mean, I just want to see where this goes. I'm just super excited about the game. Uh, but one thing my dad told me is said, hey, Mike, you know, you're probably not going to be able to watch the game because you're going to be you know, focusing on other things during game day. I said, no, I understand that. I just really want it to be a great experience. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, so far, the feedback has been, been phenomenal. And, you know, there's been a lot of news stations that have really picked up on it and promoted it. And for it to be the first bowl game in Wisconsin state history, I think people are going to be excited about it. But as of right now, goal wise, I think I'm going to stick with right height for as long as I can. It's a great company. And I'm going to hopefully continue to coach basketball and then continue to work on the bowl games. We'll, you know, we'll see what's next. I'm just hoping that the pandemic can finally come to a screeching halt and we can all get back to, you know, being normal again. I hear you there. Yeah. I was really impressed obviously the other day as we talked um, off air uh, when this was all announced and football scoop ran a, a big thing on it. And there are a lot of other publications that were running it, which was awesome. So, I mean, this is, I think, going to be very well received. And obviously from the player standpoint too, I think, you know, with us being former division three athletes and, and just getting even one more game, you know, of, of a thing that you think you deserve because maybe you didn't make the NCAA right. tournament. Like you said, some of these teams are going to be, you know, really talented, maybe one, two, maybe three losses and, and certainly deserve this. So um, I'm really looking forward to this as well. I'm excited for it from the standpoint of like, we don't know who the teams are going to be. And it's not a game, it's not like a Division One Bowl game where you get invited, uh, where you're in the New Mexico Bowl and you're six and six and you get to play in a bowl game and, you know, whoever the heck's going to go to that game. But in this game, you got to qualify for it. So it's teams that, you know, at the end of the year, it's going to be exciting for them to say, hey, you're invited to the Isthmus Bowl. You get to play one more game. And it's not just, you know, I want to I call it the Isthmus, the Culver's Isthmus Bowl Championship. And that way teams can come in and compete and it's going to be like an elite eight game because it's going to be two teams from two phenomenal conferences. And it's, I hope that it just really hits off with a bang this year, especially since, you know, most of division three football and some of division three sports last year didn't really have a normal season. You know, WIC didn't even play last year. So it's going to be a great bounce back opportunity um, as we get, you know, closer to this thing finally being over. How do you get better as just a leader in general? Um, you know, working full-time coaching, as you mentioned, now the Culver's Isthmus Bowl. What do you do in terms of whether it's books, podcasts, newsletters, anything that's out there that you use to get better on a week-to-week, -week, monthly basis? Yeah, I really, I really like following podcasts like, like this one from people I know, just because I, you know, can relate to the topics you're talking about. So I do listen to, you know, some, some smaller podcasts for people that are really trying to, to get their podcasts out there. Books wise, I, you know, it, it's been hard for me to read just because, you know, I, I, uh, my wife and I started a foster home in September of 2020 and we had two, we've had two placements now. So my life's been really busy. Haven't really gotten into books um, as of late, but when I read a book, I usually try to read it in one sitting or in one day, just because I have that, that mentality. Just, I just want to get this done and, and focus on it, but I've always really liked thrillers. And then I really like uh, sports books, but specifically I can't tell you like what's the last book I read in the last year because uh, I've been focusing on these, 
these youngins running around my house. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. That's <laughs> awesome. Great that you're doing that. But yeah, I can imagine that your world is, uh, is, is constantly turning. There's always something going on. Yeah, but you asked about leadership, you know, with this Isthmus Bowl thing. I, I really, a lot of people are super excited about the opportunity and, and a lot of people have asked if how they could help out. And that's when I shopped out my social media to somebody and she's just been phenomenal with it and really done a nice job for me. And the other day I, you know, shopped out my uh, apparel sales. I'm going to have somebody handle my apparel. And, uh, you know, as we get closer leadership wise, I think good leaders are people that, you know, number one, they delegate to the right people, but they also, you know, inspire people to, to you know, do good things every day. And we'll see where the Isthmus Bowl goes. I have no idea what's going to happen. However, I am very excited about, you know, the Division Three football season in general, but just Division Three sports. I'm excited to see them back with no hiccups, hopefully. How can people go about uh, following you on Twitter and make sure you can give out about the apparel sales as well? Yeah, sure. So um, tickets are going to go on sale October 1st. And, um, you know, what I'll probably end up doing is have people contact me through email and we'll probably have a will call gate. You know, tickets are only 10 bucks. You know, this isn't a Packer game where face value is 130 bucks or whatever it is. Um, but my Twitter, I, we have Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and it's at Isthmus Bowl. And then um, apparel sales wise, we're going to start doing basically like an online store as we get closer to the game because we don't know exactly who's going to play. Um, but once we have the, the teams figured out, there's been a couple of people that have reached out to me about doing, you know, a reveal or a selection. show. so I'm kind of excited about that to kind of, you know, announce who the teams are, but that's, you know, where we're at right now with, you know, leading up to game day was we have social media, we're going to have apparel sales, and then we're going to announce the teams on November 14th, because that's when the NCAA division three bracket gets revealed. And then our kickoff is to be determined right now. We don't know when Nebraska and Wisconsin is going to kick off, but we'll be able to kick off either before or after that game so that people can come over, whether they were there or whether, you know, they were watching it on TV. We just want to make sure that our game time doesn't conflict with the Badger game. So um, hopefully I'm either hoping it's 11 a.m. kickoff or a, a night game. I, I will see what the conferences come up with, but we're going to make that determination about a month before kickoff, we're going to figure out what time our game starts. Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for you. I think this is a great idea. I think it's very forward thinking for division three, just giving more opportunities and, and look forward to seeing what you can do in the future with things as well, Mike. So really appreciate Thank you time tonight to sit down and, and explain things and, and best of luck. And we'll have to get you back on uh, with a follow-up after things are all done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The game is, uh, it's always going to be the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So that's always, so the game two date is November 19th of 2022. So it's always going to be on that Saturday, the week after the final week of the season. So something to keep in mind as we move forward in the Bulls future.